Welcome to Habit Masters. I'm Sheldon. I'm Jeff. And we have a special guest, Dr. Natalie Lancer. Who's that? <laughs> Glad you asked. She is an award-winning chartered psychologist. She's British. You're going to love her accent. She's the chair of the British Psychological Society Division of Coaching Psychology. She's their host for their podcast, the Coaching Psychology Podcast. Amazon author. She's going to talk about her program, Guts and Goals. It is going to be amazing. She's going to go into what she calls the Eight Tensions Framework, which I think will be mind-blowing for some of us. It was for me, at least. (laughs) We live in this you know, continuum. And she goes into a lot of them. A couple she goes into a lot is this treading water versus pushing forward. There's pluses and cons to both. And it's just the whole message is you need to live deliberately, right? You need to choose where you need to be. If if it's too much, you got to learn to tread water a little more. If you're not pushing forward enough, you got to go to that continuum a little more, which is kind of where me and Jeff lean, let's be honest. (laughs) But that can be stressful and maybe you need to take a step back, right? So I won't go into it anymore. She's going to explain it better than I can. Dr. Natalie Lancer. Welcome, Natalie, to the show. I should say Dr. Natalie Lancer. Thank you. <laughs> Let's jump right into it. Eight tensions. Eight life tensions. Maybe you could just jump in and, and explain what that is and guts and goals, and we can kick it off that way. Sure. So I'm a coaching psychologist, and so like any coach I'm helping people go from good to great but the psychologist part of this is that everything I do is is evidence-based and when I did my own doctorate at the end of it I derived something from lots of data I'd collected over seven years actually called the eight tensions framework which are essentially eight overarching challenges that all human beings face. Now, obviously, I wasn't doing a study on all human beings. I was doing a study on a very small group of undergraduates at a university in the UK. But actually, it's very applicable to everybody. And that's because these are so enormous that it just is applicable to everybody. And then if you look into existential psychology, which is where all my work is rooted, the philosophers who I was engaging with, so philosophers and psychologists also talk about these sort of tensions. I'm talking people like Vignalom and Rollo May and even Sartre and de Beauvoir and and some modern day psychologists like Kirk Schneider, for example, as well. So people are talking about these sorts of quandaries people face, but maybe not in a very sort of diagrammatic and like easy to use, you know, visual. Existential way. Yeah. yeah, So let me, let me see. So Basically, the eight tensions are considered the things that are holding you back. Is that what I'm understanding? Like the these are things that are preventing you from reaching your goals? No, these by not navigating these constructively, mm-hmm. that prevents you from reaching your goals. So everybody is in these tensions all the time. That that's Got just it. a fact of life. So we're always, for example, either narrowing down or opening up. So, you know, are, are you like being really focused on this thing that you're doing this week? Or are you sort of like doing a bit of browsing, browsing, listening to this podcast? <laughs> are you, you know, going traveling? Are you reading a book? You know, all of these things may be sort of opening up. Another tension might be day-to-day thinking forward. So this is, are you sort of very much in your day-to-day putting one foot in front of the other, you know, getting through the day that means to you in your life? Or are you thinking about, the next five years, 10 years, like making some plans, you know, Mm -hmm. and and 
the truth is, is that we're all doing all these things. It isn't like I'm a narrowing down type of person or I'm a thinking forward sort of person. We're all both. No. But think of it as a continuum. Mm-hmm. At any one moment in time, you are on a specific place. So it might be that you're in a real day-to-day sort of like head down, I'm just going to like bash out all these client meetings and go to bed. And other days we might have a much more expansive view and think like, well, should I go for this qualification that takes 10 years? Where where do I want to be in 10 years? And you're probably Mm -hmm. not going to do that on the same day or at the same (laughs) moment. You know, you can't do all that sort of one meeting after another and think, expansively so at any moment in time we have a choice do I want to be on this side or on that side Mm -hmm. and normally we find ourselves on one side so it isn't that we've made a choice it's just that (laughs) today is the day I'm doing this but what I'm saying and it's not really me it's existential psychology is saying is actually what we need to do is to live deliberately so on these Mm -hmm. eight continua Make a decision. Like, where are you now? Is it where you want to be? If not, move to the bit that you want to be. Maybe right. check in with yourself once every three months or once a week or whatever works for you. Yeah. I love this concept. And I think it's something Sheldon and I have discussed frequently is this idea of living deliberately or living intentionally. Because I think a lot of times we do get caught in in kind of the wheel of life and just going through the motions and like living somebody else's dream or whatever you want to call it, where we're not necessarily making active decisions. We're, like you said, existential, right? It's like we're, we're letting the world kind of de- decide that for us. I love this. So w- with eight, it's kind of hard to fit all those into a podcast, but I want to know. So show us. <laughs> I want to know all eight. You know? Show, I don't, I know. I want all eight, but show us the the graphic you showed us earlier. And then we can decide on a few that you think would be the most vital to someone who's just getting yeah. introduced to this. Yeah. I published this. So one one could go and look at my journal articles. Just just Google my yeah, name. Yeah. Where, where do you find that? Google your name? Google my name. Yeah. In fact, that's a good website name. Google my name. And <laughs> uh, I think that, I think actually, rather than delve into any specific one, it's more important to think about how how does engaging with tensions as a whole Right. Help us move forward in our goals. Um, and, and, and actually, I'm just going to contradict myself. Let's look at number two, because this is the one I think that's that's absolutely vital. Say so those listening, two, yeah, do you want to share? Yeah, number two is, and, and I said number two, but actually, just to be clear, they're not in any specific order. It's just the second one that's on the screen, but treading water, pushing forward. So there's this idea of of striving for your goal. Mm-hmm. And I think the bit that's missing is that you can't always strive for your goal. If you're constantly mm. in strive mode, you will burn out. Yeah. And that is absolutely fine to tread water. So you will go through periods of time in your goal and in your life where it's enough just to maintain the status quo. You know, Mm. picking your kids up, doing their homework with them, having your client meetings and having your doctor's appointments. It's enough. Like We're we're busy. That's just enough. And sometimes even that can feel too much. And I, how I think about resilience is a bit like if you've got some shields up and everyone's sort of firing arrows at you and you're just, you're sort of just, just covering yourself. That's just maintaining the status quo. The other way is that whack-a-mole game, you know, as things come up, you're just bashing them on the head. Um, and I do feel like that a lot. And yeah. when you are in that position, there may well not be time or indeed energy to push forward on a goal. 
to push forward. On the <laughs> so I think that what we need to do is to be realistic that sometimes we're in sort of full steam ahead mode and mm-hmm. sometimes we're in this sort of more training water mode now each of these positions has a positive and a negative so the positions themselves are not positive or negative mm-hmm. but each side has a positive and a negative so if you do too much treading water the danger is you become stagnant so you mm-hmm. never do anything new, you never change it up you just sort of get stuck in a rut and we've all been there and we know how that happens yeah on the other hand with the pushing forward, as I said, the sort of negative part of that is burnout. The positive side of that, obviously, is, you know, you're bringing something new into the world and, and it's very exciting and it takes a great deal of courage. So the difference between resilience and courage is like, rather than sort of just shielding yourself from these things thrown at you, is that you're you're putting your best foot forward and, and you're venturing forth. But there is a positive of treading water, mm. which is something, again, not spoken about very much, which is lateral growth. Yeah. Consolidation. Mm. Like knowing what you know. Almost like resistance training. If you were thinking of it from like a physical fitness format, right? Like yes. you're, you're not moving anywhere, but you are getting stronger or more knowledgeable in that area. Is that what you're suggesting? Yeah, because like expertise <laughs> is developed from doing the same thing over and over again. Mm. Or, or it feels like the same thing. I mean, it's, it's like a slightly different <laughs> Nuance, yeah. You, you get, you're yeah. an expert because you, you understand it so deeply, right? The routine's yeah. the same, but that doesn't mean it's always the same, right? Yeah. And and the other thing about treading water is that often we need to do that in order to push forward. And I, apart from the relaxation piece, which which is well known, you know, you have to have rest. You have to like like a field lies fallow every seven years or should do to put the nutrients back. Obviously, we all need rest and, and, and a break. And, you know, something to think about is how often is that? You know, is that a two week a year holiday? Is that an afternoon a week? that four days off a month you know have to think about what that break looks like but but actually when we're doing something that is new and original we need time for our ideas to percolate and to you know all of those words gestate or all of those sorts of things right and that doesn't happen sitting down at a computer that happens on walks that happens in the shower that happens (laughs) when you're napping you know and actually by denying yourself that sort of free space to do that you're actually mm. denying yourself like moving forward in, in your project with something, you know, really creative. So I think that's important. And I have a special name for that, which is proto-creation. So proto-creation, meaning like prototype, like something's embryonic and forming mm. and creation, which obviously sounds very similar to procrastination. <laughs> and that's because that I think people misconstrue procrastination so people are you know when people say they're procrastinating sometimes it's that the idea isn't fully formed enough yet to be executed like they're trying to like get it out before it's ready to come out and i think there are ways to move that along like creative ways involving Mm -hmm. colored pens and big bits of paper and stuff (laughs) i also use like plasticine even to like map out some of my ideas and there's all sorts of things I use but to dwell in that proto-creation stage actively rather than berating ourselves for procrastination okay so all of this so I'm just going to bring my wife so you can tell her because I'm that creative type of person right that's like I got this idea and it's not fully formed 
but I really, I, I think it's going somewhere, right? And, <laughs> and then I'll sit on it for weeks, months, maybe even years thinking, pro- and <laughs> what did you call it? Proto-creating? Is that, is that? Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. yeah. Proto-creating. Proto-creating this. And it's a process. And it's something that Sheldon and I have realized as we've gone more and more into the book writing realm and trying to get that in a place where we feel like it can be really helpful to people. And, and like you said, it takes time, right? It takes time for these ideas to fully form and become, I would say, useful. Or <laughs> Sheldon, what's the example we use where you win a new concept? Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Tell her, tell her the example. We, we joke about this of, of if you could. So you get this like glimpse of an idea, but it's almost like it's behind your head before. And then it's like very edge of your peripheral vision and you can only like <laughs> glimpse it. But the more you kind of work at it, the more it comes around, you know, you get better view of it till finally you, you work with it long enough that it's like right there in front of you and you can kind of move it around and see it from different angles and things <laughs> like that. Like, I, I feel like that happens with ideas. Yeah. That does happen with ideas. And, and, and also, you know, that it doesn't mean that you're not working at it. So it, it may well be that you are s- still working at it, but you might be working at it in a way that isn't keyboard and computer it might be you're telling someone else about it or mm-hmm. you know you're, you're writing a pitch about it w- which may well be very useful to help you get clarity on what it is you know mm-hmm. so I think there's different techniques we can use and that's basically what I teach you know what are these different ways of actualizing your goal through all these different techniques and actually I don't know if you know the story of Thomas Edison of light bulb fame, who he realized the power of naps. So I've I've got some socks. My friend keeps buying me. There must be a place that must sell these all the time. It says <laughs> nap queen, nap queen, because I'm always having naps. And because when you're tired, pushing yourself for another half an hour gives you half an hour of shoddy work. Going to sleep for half an hour, waking up fresh probably have more energy and the output will be better so it's a false economy to keep going you know i don't think to keep going i think you should have a rest and i think this is where people go wrong so thomas edison realized the power of naps and specifically that at the point of waking up is the that special moment of sort of are you awake are you asleep is where you get your good ideas that's that's Mm -hmm. the point it's to do with being in a flow state and and all this sort of thing and so what he would do is he would hold a ball bearing which is something that i think everyone must have had in their pocket in that day (laughs) just carrying around ball bearings (laughs) and and i think he had like a symbol or something like a, a metal plate and he would go to sleep like this and then when he was nodding off he would obviously go limp, his, his hand would go limp and it would make a clattering sound and he'd wake up. But then that's when he'd have his good ideas. And presumably one of them was tungsten. Mm. Ah. So he'd, he's leveraging this bit of understanding to his advantage. He's like, oh, okay. yeah. he's and, working on things. Yeah. And I think that's one of the most powerful things I've learned over the years is how to start using those good ideas because like you said i'm in the shower and i give my best speeches in the shower right (laughs) and it's like oh if only i could like write this down right now but it's starting to understand when those ideas come to you and and how to leverage that but yeah what were you going to say well on on that particular point and this, this, this is of course you know where i coach people but first of all there are waterproof 
notepad and, and pens. It's a sort of thing. Like, so divers, it's actually called like a diver's notepad and pen because it's or pencil because they make notes underwater and you can have it clipped or you can have it suctioned onto your shower but but the other thing of course is if you do feel like you're saying things very well is to record yourself <laughs> you know literally put your phone on the recording part and just in case you know you are going to say something and that's very good and then you can record yourself and of course afterwards you know type out what it is that you wanted to keep you know the good old-fashioned dictaphone which has basically been usurped by the phone actually dictaphones are rather handy for that sort of thing to sort of to keep it separate from the phone mm-hmm. partly because you're not going to get distracted from all the other things on the phone it's like actually although the phone's got all the things together you know having a separate alarm clock having a separate dictaphone etc mm-hmm. etc et is useful so that you don't get distracted by by all those things I love that. We, we, we I like like so many tools. different avenues <laughs> to go here. I actually want to come back to the tension real quick because I have a question about it, especially this one about pushing forward and treading water. Because how do I put this? I think more people, if you need to cut the general population, more people need to think about pushing forward than just keep treading water. And that's kind of like what we push people toward. But I, I see this 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 tension very starkly. It's like, how do you help somebody identify if you're getting burnt out? You know what I mean? Like you're 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 striving too hard, you're getting discouraged. Do you know what I mean? Like you're pushing too hard, or you know, it's time to quit treading water and and figure out where you want to head. You know what I mean? And push a little more toward that. Like how do you how do you help someone with this particular problem? I mean, ultimately your body will sort it out. So the question is, do you want to let your body sort it out, or do you are you going to sort of preempt it and do something actively? So what I mean by that is if you are pushing yourself too hard, you will get ill. So at one point your body shuts down and you have to stay in bed. There's there's nothing you can do about it. Obviously you don't want to get to that stage, but I mean, ultimately it will write itself. It's like what homeostasis is. The same Mm -hmm. with stagnancy. Ultimately you can bore yourself so much that your own boredom will make you go and do something. (laughs) So my cure for like people who have severe procrastination is that it's not to stop procrastinating itself, but they're not allowed to do anything while they're doing it. So they're not allowed to use their phone. Like you try sitting in space and doing nothing for an hour. (laughs) You don't have to write, but you can't do anything but write. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you're sitting there for an hour and you're not allowed on your phone or any distraction, you will crave whatever the thing was you didn't want to do before. (laughs) I like it. Yeah. <laughs> it's very good. We actually wear ourselves out with the with the phones and the emails. I mean, it's just it's absolutely exhausting. If you if you wanted to, obviously you could spend all day just replying to emails and texts and, and whatever. And we know that's not going to move the needle in your ambitions. So the first thing I tell people is to just put your f- phone on airplane mode for two hours. Yeah. What two yeah. hours of the day are you going on airplane mode? And for those people with kids and they're like, oh, I can't go on airplane mode because the school might call me. Well, actually, there's an update <laughs> to the iPhone where you can allow certain calls in. So like the school line can disturb the airplane mode or, or, or whatever, the work mode. So so there's ways around that. But like, you know, if you can't allocate two hours of your day or, or whatever, you know, it can, can be whatever time. And it doesn't have to be every day. But so part of the battle is carving out the time from our busy schedule. Mm-hmm. 
there's like several battles we're fighting, but one of them is just to clear clear space. Yeah. Well, and this reminds me, like this treading water and pushing forward reminds me of something that Shell and I talk about. We talk about organizing your day into kind of offense and defensive tasks. Defense would be essentially treading water, right? The things that you you must do or that are your routines, current routines, and anything. Offense would be moving you towards your goals. And I really love this concept of this tension that exists. And I think most of us, or at least a lot of the time, I should say, I shouldn't say most of us, a lot of the time we get caught in in just playing defense or just treading water. And And like you're saying, those are some great tools to push you out of that mode because I, I'm also a procrastinator, right? Which I don't know, maybe that's just, maybe that's everyone, but, but I definitely am. And, but I love the idea of not allowing myself any other distractions. So I'm definitely going to use that because I, I think that will help me execute on the plan because I also like to do things. I'm not just going to sit there and do nothing. So if I have to sit there and do nothing, I might as well be doing the thing that I want to do. <laughs> yeah. Really great. And, and- you know, it's about, so how do you stop yourself reaching for the phone? Well, it's really simple. Like you turn it off and put it in another room or whatever. So that, you know, B- BJ Fogg talk, talks about this, increasing the friction so that turning it on is a bit of a mission. You know, it's not instant. And we mm-hmm. want that instant gratification when we look at the look at the phone. So if you have to go in another room and turn it on, you have time for your you know, more conscious brain to say, actually, you don't really want to do that. You want to focus on on this other thing. So we need to sort of stop the knee-jerk reaction of of reaching for the phone or or whatever it is. Love the email, yeah. But also, you know, in terms of stopping procrastination, and you said, you know, is everyone a procrastinator? It's funny. So I don't know if you've seen that TED Talk where, and I can't remember who it is this second, but the lady talks about stress and how, Stress itself is not the thing that's bad. It's your perception of stress. So if your perception of stress is that it's a bad thing, mm-hmm. it kills you. Uh-huh. And if your perception of stress is that it's a good thing, it won't, which is mind-blowing in itself. But the point is, is that good stress, which is called eustress. Mm-hmm. So if you're someone who's a bit of a procrastinator and you like a deadline, because I think a lot of procrastinators like deadlines. Let's just do a straw poll. Do you like deadlines, Jeff? I don't know that I, I would say like or don't like, but I leverage them to get things done because I'm like, all right, I have to have this done, right? This, <laughs> this, right so having a deadline makes you jump to it. Right. Yes. Right. And you, Sheldon? Deadlines. I mean, Parkinson's law, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so not everyone does like deadlines. And I was speaking to a client today who actually doesn't like the pressure of that and prefers to have longer time and they will do it and actually the anxiety of a deadline makes them freeze and and not do anything Mm. but for those people who who do like deadlines basically we're enjoying that stress now enjoying might be a bit of a strong word but it's you stress it's stress Mm. that's galvanizing us into action because otherwise you know we would just not do that thing so so the question is i think not are you procrastinating in general i don't think that matters mm-hmm. the, the question is when you like do you get things done on time or not now i think that if you can get things done on time regardless of if you had to stay up all night to do it or if it took you six months or you know because people have different ways of working um mm-hmm. i think that's fine i worry about the people who who don't do anything you like they yeah. don't meet the deadline and then don't do this and then don't do that because you get into this cycle it's the opposite of can do 
the can do self-efficacy cycle is, you know, oh, I can do it. That's given me confidence. I can do this other thing. But of course, the other one is lethal because it's like, well, I can't do that. So then I can't do that. And then I can't, then I won't try that. And then it goes down. So I think one of the reasons I think it's important to sort of keep busy and keep on with goals, not to the point of exhaustion and not all the time, but is to stave off going down that other direction. Yeah. Which is hard to get out of. Yeah, it's a confidence. It's like the the success begets the confidence and it actually changes your identity. Like you said, if you believe that you can't do it, then that's you, you you can't do it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Confidence is key to this whole thing, the whole conversation. If you think about it, going back to the beginning about the eight tensions framework, having the confidence to say, right, I'm on this tension, this is where I am, this is where I want to be, and this is how I'm going to move in the way I want to go right that last piece this is how I'm going to do it presupposes that you are going to do it but you can move that you're not stuck forever Mm -hmm. that there's a way out there's a there's a change that's possible and that you can affect that change that's a whole lot of optimism and confidence so by teaching people this vocabulary around the tensions and you know they're taking ownership you know this is where I am so it's it's more than self-awareness that gets you so far that's mm-hmm. just I'm on. This is where I am. The next piece, and I can move. Taking responsibility, com- right? Yeah, yeah. I I love that. I mean, you just mentioned it, and I think that's exactly right. That's at the core of change, right? Is taking responsibility, but having the confidence to move. And obviously, we're never sitting on just one side of this thing. You're you're talking about oscillating between both of these, right? Both both sides of the tension: positive, negative. Oh, I was going to say something about that, actually, when I said, let's talk about the tensions generally, and then I didn't. (laughs) I was going to come back to it. So yeah, you're good. That's me doing the change thing in in situ. So so first of all, the fact that we move up and down the tension, right? This this is our dynamism and this is our energy. When you stop oscillating, you're dead. Mm. Okay? Because all of life is going up and down, up and down, up and down. And that's what it is, right? So you're, you're you're not moving. You've got a massive problem. So while... So it is a fact of life that we will go between and we can become masterful of, as you said, like do, doing that in a constructive way because because the change happens anyway, but you know, you, you, you can decide. But the other thing is if, if you imagine if you imagine a elastic band mm-hmm. held between your hands like this, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like you're gonna play play cat's cradle or one of those things, you know, that that tension when you're sort of doing this i i don't mean the word tension when i'm talking about it in a bad way i'm not talking like a tension headache or something like this it's a very energetic state you know because if you know the elastic can ping off somewhere and, and fly right <laughs> yeah. and in the same way you know knowing that you're on this tension and knowing that it takes energy to move along but there's also the possibility of like of change and just just general possibilities like new things will happen as you move along so i i find it very exciting to think about life as a set of challenges and tensions and i think that sometimes the way sort of we talk about things like striving for goals like Mm -hmm. i think it's i think it's a shame to only talk about that side and not the other you need both sides it's not oscillating you're just on one side and that doesn't work so all these things need this other it's the yin and the yang and you need both and you know 
I'm going to give you a quick example of another tension, being you fitting in, right? This is a well-known, I mean, everyone knows this, but when you talk about it sort of as a tension, it becomes a choice because all these tensions are about, you know, where you choose to be. So, you know, if you are very you, whatever that means, and you're sort of like going all out as you, there are some people who aren't going to love that. That's fine. And there are some people who are. So probably the total number of friends or acquaintances you have will be smaller than if you try and do fitting in. And then you probably have like a bigger crowd of people because you're sort of a bit more of a chameleon. You're a bit more like, oh, I do well in this situation and that situation. And you're trying to fit in. Both are fine. Like we could think of people who do, who do both, right? Yeah. But yeah. The point is, is it's a choice. There's always a trade-off. If you want to do like much more being you, then accept that some people aren't going to like it and you probably aren't going to have 100 friends. If you want to do more fitting in, accept you'll have lots of friendships, but maybe they won't be of extremely close ones. You know, And, and, and this is something we know, but maybe we can apply this sort of knowledge that there's trade-offs to any position taken and that's fine because you already know that in advance and you've accepted it then that's fine you know i just say i i love this because too often in society generally we look at like what these two these tensions is if one is like good or bad right or if it's like right or wrong or on both sides you know whether it's you need to need to calm down and, and tread water or need to push forward. You know what I mean? And, and I love this continuum because it's like, it's not a, a right or wrong, good or bad. It's like where you're at and where you want to go and you can move along that continuum. Yeah. Well, and I, the other thing that's coming out for me that I think the audience, those listening will be, is such a key part of this is your ability to choose, right? You're saying, I think so often we've felt subconsciously that we fall into one category or the other the majority of the time when in fact we can make a more conscious choice about how we want to show up in how we want to pursue our goals and we take responsibility for it rather than blaming everything on an external force like oh this is just the way my life is or this is how I was born or this is <laughs> you know and I feel like that that's an error that so many of us fall into because we've been trained that way where you know, playing the blame, blame game, being the victim, not giving ourselves the ability to take responsibility and choose which way we want to go. And and I know that we we play both sides of all of these. That's why it's the tension, right? And, and I like this idea of the cats in the cradle because it makes me feel like it's more of a playing a game than it is like a headache, like you said. <laughs> the yeah. challenge can be fun. The challenge can be fun. You know, there's a word that I think is important to out, which is authenticity. And this mm. is a really good example. And I think this is, I just want to just want to explain it. So from an existential psychological perspective, the word authenticity means something quite different to, to how I imagine most people would think. So from an existential psychological perspective, being authentic means that as you said, you know, we don't have any say about, you know, what family we're born into or, or, you know, our setup in life, but we can choose how we respond to that and what we do with that. And so, you know, what we make of that context and how we sort of creatively interpret that context and do something mm. with it is, is absolutely your choice. And another way of saying that is choosing where you are on these tensions 
is being authentic because you're making that choice. Now, that's a very sort of technical definition of authenticity. And that's what I use as opposed to just going back to the being you fitting in. Mm-hmm. One could conflate mistakenly being you with being authentic. So I don't I don't mean say so the normal way of thinking about being authentic is oh yeah you know being being true to yourself which is not what I'm saying. So being authentic means from the existential perspective is doing something deliberately you know in your context. And I think the reason why I'm highlighting this is there's a lot of train of thought these days where it's like oh you know you should speak your truth you know you should, and, and well you could do like that that is a choice right you you could speak your truth and put it all on social media and make netflix programs <laughs> about yourself and, all this and, and that is a choice that is i don't but equally you don't have to tell everyone everything you can keep things more private or you might want to not tell you know everyone about every facet of your life and you know that's also a choice so mm-hmm. uh, so just to be really confusing it's actually from my <laughs> perspective an existential psychological perspective it's an authentic choice either way whether you're being you or fitting in or or, or whatever you're doing it's making the choice that's the piece that's authentic and mm-hmm. actually there may be very good reason why you know you don't want to speak your truth whatever that even means to the world and sort of go go all out and one reason just off the top of my head is that you know you you might want to say something about your children or another family member or whatever and then suddenly you're not speaking your truth you've actually spoken other people's and it's not for you to say and it's not that you've taken you've robbed them of their choice of whether they want to be spoken about or not in in that way so there is a trade again just to repeat there is there is a a trade-off you know Mm. being you is not the only way to be but if you want to be you know on on that way then that that's fine and then and then you accept that and if you don't want to be like that that's also fine so they're all fine as long as you've made a decision one way or another authenticity is making the choice not yeah yeah absolutely authenticity is making the choice I yeah. love it. And and actually, just to another point, there, there's obviously many domains in life. There's professional life, there's personal life, there's spiritual life. And actually, it isn't that if you're, I don't know, narrowing down on one, that means you're narrowing down on all of them. It's much more complicated. You, you can narrow down on one and open up on another. You know, so we might be very private in one sphere of our lives and, and sort of play all out in, a, in another sphere. Um, mm-hmm. It's all decisions to be made. And it sounds a bit exhausting, actually, making, <laughs> making all these decisions. And I don't think you need to, like, you know, I, mm. I don't think you need to think about all of these eight tensions every day. Absolutely not. But maybe you can think about one a month. Mm-hmm. I was to say, these, these eight tensions are genius. I'll just say that. <laughs> and, I, you know, guts and goals. How do people learn more from you about this? Okay, so let me just say what, what Guts and Goals is, first of all. So so Guts and Goals is my program that helps people achieve things, whatever that is. It might be a business goal, a personal goal, a passion project. It might be a fitness goal. It doesn't matter what the goal is because all goals require mindset and implementation. It's a bit like the eight tensions, like they're, all, they're just overarching facts. Mm. And um, what's I think some programs might give you one, the implementation and not the mindset, and some the other way around but when i say mindset 
what what I really mean is I teach you all about the eight tensions and I teach you, you know, how it works. And I've got I've designed some very specific coaching exercises in sort of booklet like sort of like work workbook form that are very fun that really get you thinking about, you know, your stance on some of these things that we've been talking about as applied to your goal. And so that sort of gets you moving. So you will, you know, if you say like this is where I am on this tension and this is where I want to be the exercise will move you because I've got so for every single tension there's there's a set of exercises moving you one way and a set of exercises moving you the other way so you you can choose that's sort of about your mindset but at the same time as you guys are well aware you've actually got to do some practical stuff and there are things that we can do to help ourselves Mm -hmm. and this is about routines this is about you know well well, what what time are you going to get up when I talking about you know this two-hour window without your without the notifications on you know when are you going to do whatever it is you know how are you going are you going to get out the pens and paper do you you even know what, what mode are you going to be working in and so the everyday implementation where you're setting, th- I suggest to set three nano goals, just tiny, tiny goals every single day. Mm-hmm. And I also suggest that, well, we have a little community. So you put the nano goals into the SAP group and then the next day you say how many you've done. So every day you're putting in your three nano goals and we're making it very, like we're really lowering the bar, you know, mm-hmm. make it easy to do three things, tick these three things because the more you tick off, I don't mean more like do more than three. I just mean by knowing that you can achieve three a day, this this gives you a lot of momentum. And then we do some very sort of tried and tested things like here's a wall, right? And this is a picture of a very rubbish wall that I have just drawn. And, you know, every time you get one of your nano goals done, you know, you colour in a, a wall. And there is something about all of us, and I'd love to find out why we care about filling things in, but we <laughs> love it. Everyone loves filling in the wall. We and do. we want to fill in, like, you know, the next one and the next one and the next one. So there's all these sort of behavioural psychological techniques that I've studied mm-hmm. that I teach in the implementation part of this. And we're doing both parts of this at the same time and after 90 days your goal is done got it i love it painless and sort of kind way to yourself yeah so for you working with a client and teaching them this process yeah what is it giving them i think i think i know but i want to hear from you what do you i I want to hear from you (laughs) well well i think so from my opinion it all comes back to confidence and responsibility, right? That we've been talking about where those little things, as I've seen them in my own life, as we've taught people how to build habits in their lives, it's so valuable to build confidence and trust in yourself that not only can you do it, but that you are doing it and you can show that progress by coloring in your wall, whatever that looks like. And then it, and then you have this ownership over your life where I can affect change affect change in my life anyway that's that's my thinking but what where do you go with it so i i think that people well first of all i agree with everything you just said so all of that and and i just think you know another thing is when we're trying to get something new off ground or you know which we're trying to do something our brain our mind our bodies would rather we just sort of sat at home and like watch Netflix. That's what we <laughs> want to do. 
right? <laughs> and that's just back to very, very basic, you know, sort of responses from the hippocampus in your brain about fear, you know, the fear of mm. the unknown. And you've got to tell your brain, it's okay, I'm just writing a chapter of a book. Like, it's not a saber-toothed tiger. It's fine. It is just a book <laughs> chapter. And yet we, so when we look at this, you know, this fear, this resistance, you know, one, one of the things I, I tell people is we just got to give it a new name. You know, you can call mm. it energy. You can call it, I don't know, growth. I mean, rename fear growth and see what happens, right? Mm. Because fear is happening at the sort of limits of, of what you know you can do. But of mm. course, once you've shown yourself you can do a bit more, you no longer fear that previous bit. Your fear threshold's gone a bit further and that that's growing and 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 etc so you know you're sort of developing yourself and and taking yourself in, in directions you really didn't think was possible but this isn't theoretical this isn't one of these things where it's like you know i'm going to i'm going to go to some i don't know you know big big event and get psyched up and all hyped up and i'm going <laughs> to this is yes. like, you said you're showing yourself you know the, the piece as just what you just said you know the pieces are, are colored in I was here before and now I'm here and you know everything is is so cumulative and sort of stockpiled you know the stuff you learn from that you'll mm-hmm. then use in the next thing you do and more stuff and then everything you learn from that you do more stuff and I think that when th- this is why it's so dangerous not to do things because mm-hmm. It's not only that you're not doing the things, but you're not learning the things that you learned from doing things and therefore you become incapacitated, essentially. So people have been sitting on goals often for years, like, oh, I've always wanted to do, blah, you know, w- w- whatever it is. Yes. And nothing sadder than that. And and basically, I give people a way to get unstuck and to blooming well, go and do it. <laughs> I, that is I couldn't. I mean, you just put into words the whole. We have the same mission. This podcast, yeah. okay, <laughs> perfect. Because it is the saddest thing for me to see people sit on their goals or dreams for years and feel stuck. And I just, I love that you're doing this. So, where can we send them? Where can people find out more about you and how to get connected there? Yeah, head to my website, nataliealancer.com. Natalielancer.com. And we'll that put all this in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's been an absolute pleasure. We know we're, we've run up against our time, but thank you so much. We love the message and I love your model. I'm, how do we get a link? And uh, we want to go, <laughs> we want to check it out. Guts and glory, right? We, this is stuff that we live for. So guts yes. and glory, guts and goals. Yeah. Guts and goals. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. And I think that, you know, different people have different role models even and you know i think what we haven't said is i'm a very busy mum of two as i said i'm I'm a psychologist you know my 40s and i'm not saying that i only work with people with kids in their 40s who blah 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 but like (laughs) actually you know what you can do stuff even though you've got kids and even though you're busy and even though you're doing this you know the most sort of mundane lives that that we all have you can still do something amazing yeah. none yeah. of this is a limitation in in fact it's just to end on this point about authenticity the the original definition of you know taking your context and making something out of it and that's what mm. i help people do i love that well it's been a pleasure thank you so much thank you so much <laughs> thank you our sincerest thank yous to you for listening to Dr. Natalie Lancer for joining us 
and for sharing her amazing, amazing insight. Thank yes, you. it was. Thank you very much for joining us today. I got to tell you, some of this stuff was just like mind enhancing. Let's just say that. This is stuff that we talk about a lot. You'll notice in there that we're like, hey, this is the same kind of stuff we share. And she's giving you some tools that are really helpful in keeping that balance in your life. The eight tensions for me is really about life balance and oscillating between those two sides of everything you're doing. And if you haven't downloaded her eight tensions things, we're going to, it'll all be in the show notes, the link to her course, the link to her freebies. So go check it out on the show notes. Also, if you loved this episode, share it with a friend because they need this, right? (laughs) Everyone needs this. And we also would love to have you give us a review. We are trying to get to 100 reviews on Apple Podcasts. If you aren't aware of that already, you first time listening to our show, right? (laughs) But we love reviews and those who have left them, they've been amazing. They really do buoy us up. And Or if you have just feedback for us, you know, email us at hello at habitmasters.com. We'd love to hear from you. You guys are amazing. Go put an idea to work and start living your best life.